Homeopathy for Health in Africa is a non-profit organization working to help some of the world's most vulnerable citizens. They are a 100% donor-funded grassroots organization that creates on-the-ground sustainable healthcare programs through homeopathic treatment and training. I personally only donate to organizations where I know the money will go directly to the people who need it most instead of getting gobbled up in advertising and administration. So I am a proud sponsor of Homeopathy for Health in Africa and I can be rest assured that my $22 monthly contribution will buy 10 prepared homeopathic remedies or pay for one of the locals to organize an outreach clinic. I love that such a small amount keeps homeopathy alive and helps so many people. Change comes from action, not thought. So if you're somebody who wants to make a difference for the future of homeopathy, donate now by visiting www.homeopathyforhealthinafrica.org. That's homeopathyforhealthinafrica.org. And in case you're wondering, this advert is sponsored by me. So not a cent has been spent on advertising, which means more money can go to the people who need it most. Today's guest is Kushmark who is the principal of the New School of Nutritional Medicine. She is a homeopath and nutritional therapist practicing functional medicine. Kush's curious questioning mind led her not only into homeopathy, but nutritional medicine, so much so that following her PhD at King's College Hospital in Cancer, she went on to study a MS in nutrition in the USA. Kush believes in empowering more homeopaths, nutritional medicine practitioners, as well as coaches to have successful practices. And for this reason, she is passionate about educating practitioners through her courses, which we'll mention in this episode. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now my mum and your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangouts. Today, we get to hang out with the lovely Kush Mark. Welcome to the show, Kush. Thank you, Eugenie. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. I am really excited to have you on. I've been trying for a little while to have you on the show, and we've got lots to have a chat about, but I wonder if you can please tell our audience how you first got introduced to homeopathy. Oh, my gosh. So that was, I'd say, well, 20 years ago, nearly 20 years ago now, and it is my older son, who's now 19, well, actually 19 years ago. And he developed eczema. He was he was exclusively breastfed. And then as I started to win him onto solids, and especially a notice after I gave him, you know, a yogurt. So plain yogurt is organic. I'm a nutritional therapist as well. So it's very mindful about how to wean him, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, oh no, not another dairy-free, wheat-free baby, you know, during <laughs> the world. But um, and funnily, there was an article that I read in my local magazine for n- new mums, and there's an article in on homeopathy. And I thought, you know what, I'll try it out because I had done a hair test to see if there's anything going on with him. Does, is he mi- missing any minerals, et cetera? Nothing. Took him to the homeopath and I spent the whole hour. She, I mean, she asked the most weird, well, what I thought were weird <laughs> questions, you know, the most weird questions. And I spent the whole hour literally talking about his birth and sobbing. Mm. And I thought, and when we, she finished, you know, we finished the session, she gave me this bag, this little white bag plastic bag with two white pills in <laughs> and it said staphylococcus aurea and I went home and I was so annoyed thinking I've spent a whole hour talking about you know sharing my feelings about the, the birth and I didn't know why I was sharing my feelings about the birth because I went for the eczema mm. and I left feeling really sort of a bit frustrated but anyway got home started looking on the internet searching up this remedy called staphylococcus I found some weird stuff like wounds cuts you know violation and I was thinking yeah. 
But you know what? I, my gut instinct was just to trust her. Thought, what else can I do? Um, apart from maybe go to the doctor, maybe prescribe, you know, steroid creams. Mm. Gave him the remedy that night, one pill. And remember, I am used to horse pills. You know, as a nutritional therapist, we give big <laughs> pills. We don't give little sugar pills. He took that that evening and next morning, and that was it. And I found that really weird because I thought, wait, Daisy, he's supposed to be taking this every single day. Anyway, just went with it. Lo and behold, the eczema cleared up. And I'm thinking, no way, no way. So I waited for a whole week. I thought, I'm not going to give him the yogurt again because I know it's going to come back. You know, it's dairy-induced. And then she said, you know, you can give him the yogurt in 24 hours. You know, that's fine. Gave him the yogurt and I'm waiting. Nothing. No eczema, nothing. And he was down his thighs. Okay, that's where he started. Um, So I thought, okay. So I went back for a follow-up just to find out what on earth was going on. (laughs) I didn't go back for a follow-up like you do. I just went back to find out what was in that pill. And then it went back and she said, um, you know, she explained it to me. She said, you know, it's birth trauma. She said, you had such a, it was my first child. She said, you had such a traumatic birth. It's so fresh in your mind. And as you were weaning him off the breast and more onto solids, he was experiencing that. And I was thinking, I have no idea, but I don't care. It worked. And I have a very inquiring mind. I'm very inquisitive. I won't just put it on the, you know, think, okay, great, move on, carry on. I wanted to know more. Mm. So that was it. (laughs) <laughs> and, and a year later, that was it. I was at home, I was at a homeopathic college studying homeopathy. That's that incredible. It. And you've got a PhD as well. And what was that in again? So the PhD is actually, it's mainstream. It's in science. It was in oncology, pancreatic cancer. Um, oh, and pancreatic cancer, yeah. it, the specific type that I was working with in the lab was um, one that you have literally six months to live. So, and that was quite daunting, you know, but doing the PhD was fine. It was just, you know, it was hard work seven days a week because you, I was growing cell lines. Also, wow. you know, I, I hate to say this, but, you know, we did experiments on animals, so they had to be looked after and fed mm. and the cancers were taken from patients. So I used to go to the ward when my professor was removing the cancers, I'd go and collect them, put them in liquid nitrogen. Then we try and grow the cells from the pancreatic cancer test drugs. You know, so Merck Sharp and Dome had given a whole load of drugs, which is a pharmaceutical company. And I was testing their drugs to see which which drugs would work, which drugs would slow down the, the cancer growth. None of them. And, you know, so it was actually a negative. The outcome was negative from my PhD thesis, but it taught me so much. I, I loved it. I loved the, the science behind it. I love analyzing. Um, and that's why I found homeopathy quite a big jump. You know, and I have to say, even to this day, I still love learning. I still love reading the science books. I love, you know, you've interviewed Jan Shulton. I love the fact that mm. suddenly this whole periodic table, you know, which really resonates with me. Um, and that was, you know, after I did, it was during my PhD. One of my family's uh, friends gave me a book for my birthday, which was called A Time to Heal. And it was written by a lady called Beata Bishop. And I was at the end of my uh, PhD, then I was writing up my thesis. And as I read this book, I thought, how dare this woman say that food and detoxing cured her cancer? How dare she? <laughs> That's you a know, brave person got... to have given a scientist that book. <laughs> right. And I was thinking, we are, you know, we're working towards looking at what's going on with cancer genes, what's involved and how we can manipulate it therapeutically using drugs. And I was just so, I was so annoyed. But anyway, but it did sow a seed because then I thought, right, again, that inquiring mind, 
well, Google wasn't out in those days, but I still, you know, we were on the internet and I look, I remember typing in pancreatic cancer and vitamin C and lo and behold, out popped the name of Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez. Now, I don't know whether you've ever come across his name and he had, he was, um, and there's all these uh, articles as well, like regular article, newspaper articles in New York, where he's called the quack working with pancreatic cancer, same type, and his patients were living way longer than six months. And I'm thinking, gosh, so I really went down that rabbit hole. Mm. And after, and then I thought, gosh, this is fascinating, because not did he just talk about, oh, diet and nutrition, and there was science behind it. There's actually some science behind the nutritional madness. In those days, nutritional therapy was called quackery now everybody embraces it and I think the same is going to happen with homeopathy it's quackery but I think one day a time will come where homeopathy will be embraced Mm. but I remember thinking oh my gosh I want to know more same happened with homeopathy and the same and I did the same but the thing is the only there were courses here in England but I thought I really would like to do more than a diploma for because of my background I had the biochemistry background and then um, my husband gets offered a job or to set up an office in New York. And the course that I was looking at was in Bridgeport, which is two hour journey from New York. And I said, let's go. He's going, you really want, you want to go? Cause he thought, cause I didn't really want to go to New York before. And he said, you really want to go? I said, yeah, let's go. All I had on my mind was this is course one weekend a month for two years. And then we, we ended up in New York. The first, we got there on the Friday on that Saturday was my first weekend at the college. No. And it, well, I say college, it was Bridgeport university did the master's in clinical nutrition, loved every second of it because it was, again, every weekend, like with homeopathy, it was a wow moment. Like, mm. wow, what? The Krebs cycle has got vitamins and minerals? What? You know, it was eye-opening. Oh, we and did I a bit of biochem all- and that Krebs cycle, oh, my gosh, that was the that was the downfall of me. <laughs> my brain does not work that way. <laughs> you know, Eugenie, the thing is there's so much, though, that – that actually ties in as well with the homeopathy, you know, with the remedies. I was thinking, wouldn't it be amazing to actually have, you know, research where we can see, right, when you give a remedy, what does happen with the, you know, let's do some tests. Like you can do tests called the oats test, which is where you can look at some of the components of the Krebs cycle through the urine. What happens before and after a remedy? What happens before and after homeopathic remedies? I mean, there's lots out there that as homeopaths, we could get more into. I know we've got the, um, the homeopathic institute as well the research institute mm. but that was it i mean that after that it was just like a new world a new world that just sounds absolutely amazing and you've just got my brain ticket because i'm trying to think who i interviewed just recently that is literally trying to do that and i think it's dr alexandra maybe but i'm going to have to put you yeah, in touch was probably. it dr alexandra oh good yeah we were chatting about that and you know she's got all that background as well of being able to do that and i'm like money should not stand in the way of us being able to do this research yeah. And actually, you know, yeah. this is yeah, very exciting stuff. And yeah. so so fast forward then to to when you studied the homeopathy. Mm-hmm. So basically I finished my master's in, in nutrition in the US. And what was really uh-huh. interesting was a lot of the students on the course had already got a degree in nutrition. I hadn't. I hadn't had any nutrition background. And people said, well, it doesn't really matter, does it? It, it was a deep dive, it was sink or swim. Because mm-hmm. for me, all this terminology, all this new stuff, I mean, we were blessed with having, you know, I heard Atkins speak, Jeffrey Bland. Jeffrey Bland is equivalent of Hahnemann, like the godfather of functional medicine. Mm-hmm. So I've heard, you know, was really lucky to get to actually meet those people in New York as well. And then after after studying that, 
I started my practice in New York. Then we moved to back to back to London because I was pregnant with my first child and I just really wanted to be back in London. And after, that was that was my then I had my first child mm-hmm. here and that's when I got into homeopathy. And it was home. And by then I was already running a nutrition practice here in, in London and also teaching at nutrition colleges. And I just thought, you know what, I have got that inquisitive mind, that inquiring mind. I I was, I look back and I think, gosh, how, how, you know, egotistical to think, how dare this woman write a book and cure her cancer through food and nutrition and detoxing? You know, who, who am I to say that? Who are we to say that? We just don't know. So I'm open, you know, my husband was laughing after I finished, you know, qualified as a homeopath. He goes, what next? You know, what are you going to do next? Like, that's it. That's enough, you know. And so, yeah, and I just thought, but so then I trained in London and I've been practicing now since um, the last 16 years in in, integrating what I do with homeopathy into it. Oh, that's amazing. And, you know, everything happens for a reason. And I think sometimes uh, having a humbling experience like that, where you're like, how dare that person? And then coming all this way and then looking back, it really gives us empathy for where people are and why they think that the way that they do. And I always, I just think of when I used to work at Flight Center many years ago, and I used to say Mm -hmm. to all my clients traveling overseas, make sure you get your travel vaccines, make sure you get travel (laughs) vaccines, because I just didn't know any better. And it wasn't until I had my own education on it that I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I just can't believe I ever did that. And um, so just stay, I think staying open-minded is like one of the best things that we can ever do. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. you said that your husband's asking what next, but I hear that there is a what next because you there's talk about a school. Can you give us a little bit of? Are you allowed to oh, give some yeah. information I mean, on that? When you say, <laughs> sure. When you say what next, what I meant was, uh, what are you going to train as next? You know, you're going to be doing an osteopathy or an osteopath. But um, yeah, so I do have a passion for teaching. I do because I've I home educated my boys for nine years. And I really saw that actually, because I thought, you know, education is education. You go to school, you sit in a classroom, you're given all this material and you go home. Then you memorize it, you do an exam and then you get graded. Mm. Now, when I started home educating, I mean, I ran a group here as well, organized a group and had some wonderful, amazing teachers. And I say teachers, they, they, they were nurturing, caring. They really knew how to inspire children. Now, my older one, it was, again, he's my, he's one of my biggest teachers. He mm. was the one who got me into home education. Didn't want to go to school anymore. And he hated art. And I'm thinking, who hates art? <laughs> and then as soon as he, we started home educating, oh my gosh, he loved art. His art was amazing. And I could just see, actually, it's already in them. Mm. It's just inspiring them. So um, as I was home educated, I noticed they could watch a five minute YouTube video and get more out of a five minute YouTube video than a whole hour at school being told you can't do this or sit still. Or Anyway, long story short, they're home educated for nine years. Older one decided to go to a, um, a school here called the Brit School, which is more musical and, and sort of art creative. Younger one decided he wanted to go to school and try it out. And he's, he's enjoyed it since. Um, but what I learned was, you know what, education doesn't have to be this Krebs cycle where you think, oh my gosh, you know, I I don't get this. This is really difficult. Mm. It's really making it relevant and practical. And I realized also that with the voices that were learning as they were home educated, that actually they, once you've inspired them, once you feel inspired, they can go and learn anything. They can switch on YouTube. Thank God for YouTube. And okay, you've got some misinformation, but why not do that? So this, so I've been teaching already. And I I love teaching. And I also would love to see practitioners 
in nutrition. And so this school is more about raising 21st century practitioners, which are nutritional therapists that have homeopathy as a tool. And the homeopathy that they'd be using as a tool is for acute prescribing, which I call rapid relief. And I've seen that work magic with like COVID. You know, I've had clients who are in hospital and have come out, you know, because they got remedies into hospital. Mm. Um, And it's amazing. But what would I do as a nutritional therapist if there's an acute? Mm. And so I thought, why not? combine that but with coaching now the coaching side is really and I listen to your I love that podcast and you know as just listening to that and I thought you know what I, I do like the aspect of coaching where is the inner work you know where you look at inside what's going on inside for me what what do I who am I you know who am I what do I want out of life what's life about and I love that side of it is actually integrating all that together and then actually having practitioners who come out and practice Hmm. not just get a qualification and then not practice because God knows we need them. We need more practitioners in natural medicine than we do in traditional medicine now, because you can see it, you know, more and more people since COVID has happened, more and more people have become more open as well, especially to homeopathy. You know, I, I sort of, I'm in a world more so where I see a lot of um, functional medicine practitioners at a conference a couple of weeks ago, And, you know, they find out that, oh, you practice homeopathy too. And so you get the eyeball roll or the the conversation suddenly changes. Mm -hmm. And I think, no, I'm not stopping there. You know, I'll take out my card and I give them my business card. And it says homeopath with Cushmark PhD. And you know what? Whatever the PhD does, it says something to them. You know, that obviously I've got whether I'm questioning, inquiring, there's something there. And then, you know, the conversations I do get to have and, and talk about homeopathy. And then I mention India and the stuff that's been going on. They, you know, people are becoming more and more open-minded. Mm-hmm. And so the school is really kind of just a, an extension of what I love doing. You know, just mm-hmm. go with it. If it works, great. You know, just just go with it and see what comes. And that's what, you know, listening to that podcast that you did. And you said the same thing, thinking, you know, is it ego? Why am mm-hmm. I doing this? Is it fame? Is it, you know what? <laughs> what? Could shut it down tomorrow. Yeah. Just, you know, you try it. But I think it's just really getting it out there all of us whatever role we play in this kind of you know microcosm macrocosm just go with it and then maybe that you know grows and practitioners that is the passion though is to actually raise practitioners that that go out that finish and then practice they have the confidence they want to and they have and they're inspired absolutely and you know I, I always feel for me I know that I am Think I'm doing what I should be doing when things things are flowing and things are easy. And, you know, like you can just see like with you, for example, just how you have been set up to be where you are and all this incredible knowledge and experience that you've gained. And now you're able to do this thing, your passion that ignites you, that gets you really excited and transferring transferring that onto others. But you have really hit the nail on the head with actually getting practitioners who are getting students and coaching them and empowering them to be able to go out and be practitioners at the end of their consult because out of my cohort of I don't know we were probably about 15 I think I'm the only one practicing I'm certainly the only one with a full-time practice and that is very very sad because they're you know why do you go and spend all those years training and then not end up doing it and I don't know I think maybe we need some psychologists to come and analyze us homeopaths what is it about our minds do we have issues with self-worth or is it that homeopathy is just too overwhelming? But what is it about so many homeopaths that then don't go out and practice? And we're just doing such a huge disservice 
to our communities and to the world by not utilizing these the, this education that we've been given. Do you have any yeah. ideas of why that is that some you know, homeopaths do it's, that? It's really interesting because sometimes we, we laugh about this or my husband will say, well, not everybody goes and does a course because they want to go and use it at the end. You know, it's just they want to do it because it's fun and they're enjoying it, which is great. Absolutely great. But I think now we're in a day and age where we need, I feel, more practitioners who are practicing homeopathy or practicing nutritional medicine, whatever coaching. I just think, and you can see here actually in, in the UK now, the NHS are looking to take on health coaches. Now, you know, that's a big change because they're realizing people need lifestyle changes. They need to know how to sleep, mm-hmm. you know, how to switch off their mobile phones an hour before they're going to sleep. You know, so and I think with homeopathy, it's just a matter of self-belief, mm-hmm. you know, because homeopathy, to be honest, it's not just homeopathy. nutritional medicine is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when we get the basics, just mm-hmm. run with the basics. We don't have to know everything. I mean, how on earth? How many remedies are there now? I, know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And part of it is really wonderful and beautiful because it's really kind of like that self-development. You know, you listen to Jan Shorten, Rajan Sankran, you listen to some of the homeopaths and you think, you know, you just feel it's more than the cerebral, not it's it's very much internal. Mm-hmm. And I think what that's where I do see an overlap with coaching where there's a lot of that inner work and you do and as you start becoming more confident mm-hmm. you're thinking actually so we all have this what imposter syndrome who am I mm-hmm. you know who, who am I to go and teach this and say this but I just think we all have that experience and maybe it is mm-hmm. you know with homeopathy there's a lot of stuff that does come up for us mm-hmm. you know during the course mm-hmm. and then what does that mean do we go and spend time and analyze that and say you know what and why am I doing this course mm-hmm. you know I remember when I joined the the homeopathic college I joined because of my son not you know because he suddenly triggered something me thinking oh my gosh there's more to this than just the physical body you know it was just and then it just moved forward so quickly and I think maybe also it's the language that we use because I do find personally myself you know we talk about marasms so oh my god because I remember my friend who introduced me to homeopathy once I had that experience. She said, well, Kush, you know, and she'd talk about myasms or she'd talk about being grounded and like, oh my, you know, it's a different language. And even in homeopathic college, I remember learning the cell salts. We were taught them in half a day, one after the other. And I'm sitting there thinking, but oh my gosh, can we just stop a minute? You're talking about ferrum fos, anemia, you're talking about oxygen, hemoglobin. And it was done in half a day. And I'm how does that happen? It's just like, you know, I think so we're all, we're very different. People come from different walks of life and I think Mm -hmm. different. And, and the beauty is we have so many different types to homeopathic colleges. And I always say that to clients who ask me, where, where should I study? Where would you recommend? I thought, I don't recommend anywhere. Go to every single one, sit in and see which one resonates with you, because I'm sure the one that resonates with me would not resonate with half of my clients. Um, but I do believe it's just it's self-belief. It boils down to self-belief and also homeopathic colleges training practitioners mm. on how to go and be a practitioner, yeah. not just, okay, wonderful homeopathy. You learn all sorts and it's, it's mind blowing, but then what do you do with it all? Mm. How do you set a practice up? How do you, you know, and also supervision, you know, groups. Mm. Doing group yeah. work. I'm part of a forum that um, the Joshies sort of, they, it's the group here in London that teach the Joshies way of prescribing. And it's been fantastic to be, mm-hmm. I mean, I've missed it for the past couple of months and I really feel it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so I think ongoing, you know, Ongo- ongoing professional you, development. It's yeah, and just learning within that small cohort group where you feel inspired and you can share anything. Oh my gosh, I've got a case and I'm just going around in circles and I feel overwhelmed. I've given this, that, and the other, and it's just like it's another perspective and it just keeps you inspired and learning as well. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I just wanted to say when you said about the imposter syndrome, I just felt compelled to say, you know, people are listening to this, and I'm getting so many emails and text messages and everything these days saying, oh, you know, you're so amazing. How do you do the podcast? Blah, blah. Anyone out there, I still have imposter syndrome with every single episode that I do. And I still have that 10 years later. Yeah. But yeah. for any of you listening to this podcast that maybe you're a homeopath already and you haven't practiced for a while and you're considering getting back into it, because that's certainly something uh, uh, COVID has triggered a lot of homeopaths who you know, decided not to practice anymore because, you know, losing self-confidence or whatever, it's kind of coaxed a lot of them back in because a lot of them lost their jobs due to the mandate. So they might be a homeopath, but then they're working in a pharmacy or they're working in marketing or whatever. And I've noticed Mm -hmm. a lot of them are saying they're thinking of coming back. So if you're thinking of coming back and, um, or if you're just a mum with a small business and I always, whenever mums say I have a small business, I say, don't say small, just say you have a business. If, if you, haven't got that self-belief, um, if it makes you feel better, I literally have imposter syndrome every single day. The, yeah. the thing that keeps me pushing through is there is a person out there who might need to hear what I have to say right now. And if I don't say it, I'm not going to help that person. So that is the mm-hmm. thing that helps me to push through. And I hope somebody hears this and that's of benefit to them. But yeah, imposter syndrome is very real. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Mm. So Kush, no, when you that, that is important. Yeah. yeah. So when you have a client come and see you, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. what sort of approach do you take? Because you have this, you know, obviously the nutrition and you've got some other therapies and things that you do as well and the homeopathy. So mm-hmm. what what does a typical case take look like for you? So do you know it, it's interesting because normally people book online, so they choose what they want, they book either homeopathic session or nutrition session. Now, sometimes that session might turn out actually to be a homeopathic session, but I will always ask, are you okay if I take a homeopathic session? Because to me, it seems it would be more relevant. And some people say no, straight out. You know, that's, they're not going to fine. Um, if somebody said yes, so then I'll do homeopathy. It's very hard to integrate the both at the same time, especially when you're going to when you're going to want to work out a constitutional remedy. If the constitutional remedy is very clear, you know, sepia carcinosis, you know, those ones that we all sort of happy with prescribing, mm-hmm. then I would go on to then talk a bit more about the nutrition if it needs that they, you know, they'd benefit from it. Mm-hmm. It very much depends on the person. I do find it quite tricky to integrate, but I have to say. Other things like cell salts, mm. I will use whether somebody comes for nutrition and see nutrition clients who won't, who aren't open to homeopathy will happily take cell salts uh-huh. because they understand minerals. You know, they under it, it resonates with them. Whereas otherwise, it's usually a homeopathic session, like a full-on proper homeopathic session. And if they want to book in for a nutrition session, they do. Otherwise, I usually just refer them. I've got an ebook on my website, and I say, you know, you can download that, and you know purchase it download it and read through that and some people will say i get messages saying wow i i downloaded the ebook and um my blood sugars have improved i had a blood tester 
it really is some some of it isn't rocket science you know it's not difficult same with homeopathy you know we always think gosh i gotta know this i've gotta know this before i can practice or i gotta know this much that we'd never practice mm, so absolutely. it's just really and i have to say, it's the client that generally they decide what you know they book in online so whether they booked a nutrition session and again, you know, it, it varies. I go through seasons. Mm-hmm. I might go through a whole week of it's just homeopathy and then a whole week and it's just nutrition, you know, hair tissue mineral analysis or Dutch tests. Or, so it, it just varies. Mm-hmm. But there are at times where I just think, wow, you really benefit from actually homeopathic session. Mm. so do you find yeah. the universe sends you people in batches i mean i only do homeopathy but i sometimes feel like if it wants me to learn something about a particular condition or a particular remedy it feels like they get sent in batches <laughs> absolutely and especially now there's a real wave at the moment and this doesn't seem seems to be a very big batch of autoimmune conditions oh funny that i can't imagine why <laughs> yeah and that was yeah. thinking and you know even the complexity of understanding the, you know, the immune system and how does on a, you know, physiological level, what is autoimmunity? What does it represent? What does it mean? And then what does it mean homeopathically? Um, and also, you know, loving again, the, um, all the sessions you've done one, I think, was it with, uh, on the lanthanides? Lanthanides, oh, yeah, Jan Shelton. Yeah. yeah. And I was just thinking, fascinating. You see how that connects, how the lanthanides actually connect with the conflict of the immune system. You know, the immune system is trying, it, it's not attacking, you know, we say autoimmune mm-hmm. conditions. They're not like Hashimoto's. It's not a condition of the thyroid. It's actually the immune system that's gone haywire mm-hmm. and that is now in inverted commas, attacking the thyroid, it could easily go and attack the pancreas. Mm-hmm. You know, if we don't address the hash, the, the root cause, so it's understanding. I thought, oh, gosh, that is so much about the the lanthanides do really to me mm-hmm. uh, from that sort of physiologic physiological perspective, tying very much with what is going on on the inside, what is going on with the immune system. It's kind of once control, it's out of control. It's doing its job because it's recognized something that's foreign. But is it really foreign? Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. But it is really I've seen. Uh, yeah, that batch is, is still ongoing. I think that batch is going to be ongoing for many years, personally. I'm seeing all sorts of very, very weird things in the clinic, Mm. and it's only going to get weirder. (laughs) Um, I mean, type type 1 diabetes in 12-year-olds suddenly appearing. I don't know. And maybe, I was thinking, maybe it's just my practice. I don't know. You know, I do. Sometimes I do find that if I write a blog on something, um, it can attract so suddenly that might that blog might bring in a whole lot of people that have got mm-hmm. Hashimoto's or something. So that can happen, but that's not recently. It's just like, oh my gosh, I need to do go you know deep dive into um, autoimmune conditions and understand mm-hmm. them a bit more. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I just want to say your Facebook page is kick ass, and you share some incredible information in there. It's Thank you. so so good. I've followed you for ages in the quality of the information that you put out is really really good so yeah thank thank you you. please continue doing that I know it there's so much time that goes into scheduling and writing all these posts and things but they're very helpful and actually just this week uh one of the mums I've got a Facebook group for my mums and um one of them shared some of the of the thing uh, something that you shared they shared in my group and I was like I'm interviewing her on Friday everyone's like oh my gosh It's great because, like, you know, it's funny because some people say, gosh, how long does that take you? You know, Mm -hmm. thinking, you know, sometimes I'm walking the dog and it just like, 
it just comes downloads. You know, it's, and that's again it's that whole flow and ease other yeah. times like say if I want to do and when I share a remedy or guess the remedy mm. it was really more what have I experienced recently in practice or walking down the road you know something might come to them to my mind but generally I think it's because it also it's the misinformation with the internet now and everything we there are some websites you know there's misinformation about certain mm-hmm. conditions same thing with homeopathy you know we in what we call functional medicine or nutritional medicine we call it um bioindividuality you know which makes me laugh because yeah. really we are all individuals biologically <laughs> unique and homeopathy knows that the core constitutions yeah. mm. but yet we have all these fancy terms in traditional medicine why don't we use them as homeopaths? Mm. You know, why don't we use the language that people understand in the 21st century? It's like my boys when I sit, you know, sometimes we sit around the dinner table and we have a chat. And my younger one the other day just said, he goes, you know, mom, when you explain that the way you do it, I get it. But mm. when my barge teacher says it, I don't get it. And I thought, because it's, mm. it's, it's not practical. At school, you're learning for the exam. And I also think it's the same with homeopathy. If we use homeopathic language, for the 21st century, I think we'll get a lot more people thinking, oh, I get that. Oh, actually, might, I might go and see a homeopath. Well, that is you so know. funny you say that because Miranda Castro and I were talking about that just this morning when I interviewed her for that. And I said to her, my husband has been harping right. on for ages. He says homeopathy needs a rebrand and we need to call it nanomedicine or something like that. <laughs> and I said to him, nanopathy? And he's like, no, no, nanomedicine. And so, yeah, it's really funny, but I completely agree with you because, and I think that was part of the thing for uh, with homeopathy for so long. And, you know, if you read homeopathic uh, textbooks, even up until pretty recently, the language in there is so unuser friendly and just not words that anybody would really use. So, yeah, we really need, this is, this is feels like deja vu, second time I'm having this conversation today, but yeah, just, we need a revamp of the language that we use in homeopathy to make it more accessible and more yeah. uh, non-alien and just user-friendly. Yeah. Mm. And imagine, you know, you've got people all over the world training in homeopathy, you know, in India, you've got Indians training and they're using these books, these, you know, I remember when I first opened the repertory, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, this is not even English. Mm. And I totally agree with you there, Eugenie, because I think, mm. you know, and it puts you off. And I remember, the, you know, my college at home, <laughs> homeopathic college, I remember Ellen Kramer, who was one of the, um, she's one of the owners of one of the colleges here in London of homeopathy. She said to me, you just open the book and you just stroke it and you say, I like you. <laughs> I like you. I like, oh my gosh. You know, but I tell you, it took time. It took time to get actually where I wanted to open the repertory and try and understand it. It, it is. I absolutely agree. Even, you know, right now I'm trying to do a whole series on the cell salts on my um, Facebook page. And I was thinking, you know, we know about the minerals. You know, everybody keeps talking about the 12. Well, the, there's, there's 12. There's only 12. Yes. When Schussler was around. That's what he knew. He used the ashes of the, you know, he didn't know about selenium or zinc. Mm. We know now, look at selenium and zinc. They're so important for the immune system. And mm. everybody's, you know, in, in functional medicine, we've been using zinc as a supplement in, in measured amounts to support mm. the immune system. Why aren't we using it? I'm using you know? it in 6C in my practice all the right. time. Yeah. Especially right. with young boys, really hyperactive young boys. I'll give them zinc mm-hmm. 6C drops and I'll tell the mums yeah. to give it morning and night and just calms a lot of that ADHD restlessness right down. 
Yeah. But I, I, yeah, I, to I, be fair, I've got a little bit of naturopathic background as well. So I like to use like a lot of the herbs. So a dandelion and milk thistle and all that and really low potencies. Yeah. And I make my own little mixtures and, you know, liver support yeah. and all that sort of thing. So, Beautiful. yeah. Yeah. Mm. And it just, see how, how it all ties in. Mm. Just understanding even, you know, you're looking at, okay, so we're now talking about a particular herb. So in, in sort of nutrition school we will learn about where it works how it works you know whereas i think in homeopathy it's more the picture you know we look at the symptom picture we look at the you know like treats like which is fascinating because then you go on and it's another level but why not just combine the two so it actually does sort of resonate with 21st century language that we use every day well, I just have to say that's where Dr. Robin Murphy really revolutionized our repertory with the just exactly. using the, yeah. the language and the words that we use today, which is absolutely yeah. amazing. And um, I always forget, but is it dropsy? That's the old word for edema. I think it was dropsy yeah. or something like something weird like that. Or yeah. uh, they talk about scrofulous constitutions or what's the thing <laughs> for, for glands. And like the, it's like, we just do not talk like that anymore. Yeah. And sometimes no, but you, <laughs> when I'm repertorizing, I can have a real brain block on what is that word that I have to search for again. But that's why I'm yeah. so glad I've got Murphy's repertory as well. And I can just go, you can actually just search ADHD and there's remedies that come up. You can search autism yes. and there's remedies that come up. So, I mean, lots of homeopaths yeah. have their own issues issues with that in itself but yeah. sometimes it's really handy if you're just stuck on oh my gosh just give me some ideas on what I can work with um and there's a and there's a dictionary as well you know which makes me laugh yeah I have two I've got, the, I've got both of them so uh -huh. there's, there's the one that has the old words and converts it to new words and there's a dictionary that's got the new words and converts it to old words so that's right. <laughs> it's yeah. really handy so um, if we need a dictionary, it just shows, doesn't it, really? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Kush, can you quickly tell us what is your nutrition school? What, what is your school called? Um, so the website is, now you're asking me, my gosh, I'm. <laughs> That's new, right. It's called, yeah, the website is New School of Nutrition. New School of Nutrition. Excellent. And when is your course starting? So it starts, so the course starts in September. Are you still taking new uh, enrollments? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, we just opened for enrollments about, uh, I think, a week ago, two weeks ago. It, time, time is just whizzing by. I don't even know if it's a week or two weeks or three weeks, but yeah. So, um, well, if yeah, your content that you go by and your lovely way of speaking and engagement is anything to go by, I'm sure it's going to be an awesome course. <laughs> and uh, also kushmark.com is the other place people can get hold of you, right? Yeah, yeah. Excellent. And you're on That's Facebook it. and I don't know if I've seen you on Instagram. Are you on Instagram? You know, I I was on Instagram <laughs> and then um, I posted some naughty uh, science, scientific uh, articles uh -huh. and it got taken down. Oh. So then I've started it up again, but I'm not sure Instagram is for me because I have too many words. Oh, I got. Yeah, no, I, I was holding <laughs> off going on to Instagram until because I'm like generation. I think I'm X, so I'm 79 babies. So I'm just that just not quite the Instagram age. And so I have. Are you saying you're not on TikTok right now? <laughs> oh, hell no. There's no way I'm going there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I See, just very recently got on Instagram. So I think I've got like yeah. 400 followers there. Yay. But we do post yeah. something on there every day. But your yeah. your Facebook page is really awesome. And you share such Thank great information you. on there. Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, I just think, and I do think that just makes me laugh. There you just said, you know, with education, we've gone from Facebook where you can post as many words as you like. And then Instagram where it's very short, sharp, and it's hashtag, whatever, you know, like Twitter's very short. And then you've got TikTok. People now just want it in a one-minute video. That's uh -huh. it. 
don't give me a page to read. Give me a one minute, one minute video to watch and I'm done. I said to my husband the other day, you know, we're not the cool kids anymore. Like, you know, uh it's like, because we say to ourselves, oh, look, these kids do this, that. I'm like, oh my gosh, we are those people now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kush, it was super fun chatting with you. Is there any last message that you want to leave our listeners with about homeopathy or just anything else that you want to share? Yeah. You know what? I really do believe what's that? I can't even quote the guy's name the one who did Star Wars, he actually wrote Star Wars, um, you know, which he basically said, follow your bliss. You know, huh. really, I think you you follow that. And I think for a lot of people like homeopathy, it's a labor of love. You know, we're not doing it because we make bucket loads of money. You know, mm-hmm. going to live that dream. But, you know, so, yeah, some people can. But I'm just saying that it, it's, it is a labor of love. And it's more most of us are doing because we, we are following our bliss. You know, we're mm-hmm. following something that we we're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. It was heaps Thank of fun. You, and I'll chat with Eugene. you very soon. I love, love it. Just keep going. I love your podcast. <laughs> Thanks so much. See you. Thank bye. you. Bye-bye.